0: Welcome to the Spicy PL Podcast, Episode Three. This is Alex Baval. I'm here with James Peachy Marcotte and Big Joe Cap, Big Joe Capolino. What's up? What's going on? We've heard your feedback. You know, we really do appreciate you listening. We're actually really surprised by how many listeners we've had on the first couple episodes. We threw this thing together just for fun. We're bored. We're in quarantine. We figured we get our thoughts out there.
1: Yeah, that doesn't mean that it's ever going to stop. Uh, we're going forever, but it did get birthed out of boredom.
0: Yeah. So we birthed this thing, and then we realized that people are listening, people enjoy it. So we figured we would step up the auto, audio quality a little bit. We've got Luis Jaimez, who's got audio spectrum, visual spectrum, the AV company that does all the big screens at our powerlifting meets. But he also does a lot of other things like concerts at giant venues and all sorts of shows. So he's provided all this equipment for us to rec- record the podcast, and you know we've taken some of the feedback and tried to improve the quality, and we hope that it is a, a noticeable improvement. We've also added the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, and now it's going to be on iTunes as well. So we're going to post it up there so you can listen to it on your phones through your uh, your podcast players, and then you can also... Still check us out on YouTube. Um with that said, Luis hymes is actually not on this episode. He's
1: uh, you know, we decided that because he does so much business, um and is very visible at raw Nationals, the Arnold, other power of the meets, even other federations. Um we're starting to, you know, spice it up, talk shit about people, you know, that um he's not gonna participate and uh so you know. Yeah. R.I.P. to Luisa's good stories and experience. Uh, I think here and there, we'll have
2: him guest. But uh, right now, the three of us are going to keep it rolling. If we want it to be as spicy as possible, we have to be able to say whatever we want. You know, not thinking <laughs> about business interests. Yeah, he
1: wanted to put the governor on some things, and we had to just throw him out. We just got rid of him.
0: Yeah, maybe in the future, maybe a guest appearance here and there, but I don't think he's going to be yeah. a, a regular. Yeah. So anyway, let's get kicked off. We've talked shit about Thor for the first two episodes, so why not, you know. I mean,
1: obviously, we got to follow up after the shit went down.
0: Yeah,
2: we'll wrap it up here. So,
1: yeah, on Saturday, you know, streamed on ESPN, the Ocho. He uh, did three attempts. um, Was it 420, 465, and then 501. Everything was fucking smoked, so Mm -hmm. it was awesome. Um, just, Just in the manner of just keeping it quick. I'm just going to say, I still don't think it's a world record. I just think, you know, he weighed like 450 pounds. Um, that's not going to travel well, even if you have to just leave your own town to go to another city in Europe or, you know, like I'm Eddie did his in England. So that comes into play. Like no one's really traveling when they're going to deadlift 1100 pounds. But, um, you know, I didn't like the 15 minute clock on the attempts. Um, all the weights were dead on balls, 25 kilos when they showed the scale, but you don't know that the scale is calibrated. And also, his dad was the one weighing them in. I mean, that doesn't, I mean, <laughs> I don't,
0: I, that's just funny, but I don't think. Yeah, it's I just like they I'm could have found somebody
1: else or let the referee weigh them in. But um, I, I don't question their rogue weights. It was a rogue bar. I'm assuming it was a rogue deadlift bar, which is fine. I think everything, I think it weighed yeah. what it weighed. But the way that
0: thing was whipping around, yeah, definitely a. It I, wasn't a, It wasn't an Aliko power. I just think it's virus.
1: unfortunate everybody posted immediately new world record, new world record, and now obviously you know at Giants Live, you know whether it's Thor, or somebody else, or Ivan Markarov, you got to go for five hundred two. No one's going to attempt five hundred one. So in essence, it is a world record. But I, I still think it shouldn't have been counted as what's official in strongman anyway. I don't know, but you know it was it was a cool event. I will say that afterwards we watched like the Tetris world championships and they had way better production quality announcing and we were like on the edge of our seats. So I don't know if it's like an indictment of the strongman or the deadlift as a sport, but like even me, a
2: deadlifter, I was more entertained by Tetris, Tetris worlds. Yeah, Tetris that shit worlds, was crazy, bro. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat for Tetris worlds, but the mini golf was insane. I gotta yeah. be honest. Those guys can kill it. There was there.
1: a lot of good shit on, I just think, like, I like Lauren Shirlali, and the guy who did the announcing for Thor was pretty good, but, I mean, the...
2: Oh, the
0: announcer for Thor was... It was okay.
1: okay, Lauren Shirlali was was good, but, like, they could have stepped it up a little bit. I mean, Tetris World was insane. Insane.
0: Yeah, I mean, Thor's definitely got more in the tank. It was a crazy impressive feat of strength. And you can't take that away from him. I think he's got more, definitely more in the tank. Yeah, well, I mean that's if he continues right
1: after this fight.
0: Yeah, well that's true. I well, mean, well, that's
1: the thing. So like he can definitely do more. He seems healthy, as healthy as you can be at 450. Like you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, takes a takes a dirt nap any second. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, are you saying I, he
0: looks unhealthy?
1: I'm saying at 450 and the amount of drugs and the amount of food that, you know, a lot of strong men have died prematurely. Um, yeah, at smaller sizes, Thor's the biggest I've ever seen anybody recorded, but either way, you know, afterwards it's more trash talking between Thor and Eddie Hall and it's revealed that there's some kind of contracts for a boxing match. So, you know, we already know that they signed the papers and whatever, so suspense is gone, but Thor posted He's all in, only focusing on this fight. The problem is, that fight is in September, September of 2021, 2021 in Vegas. So I would assume preparing for a boxing match uh, that's going to be on pay per view of any like real boxing rules, he's going to have to lose a lot of weight. So, you know, my first reaction is it's is just horrible for the sport of strongman. Like he was the biggest draw. Strongman's become really popular. You've seen the Arnold being streamed on mainstream channels with Ro getting involved and Thor being there and he's Game of Thrones and this and that. So without Thor being four hundred pounds and presumably trying to win World's Strongest Man and next year's Arnold, it's kind of a bummer for the sport. But yeah. they're each set to make a million bucks, so
0: Yeah, I guess you have to assume he's not gonna do World's Strongest Man if he's gonna if he's gonna announce that he's Putting his sole training focus on that fight.
2: Well, I mean, maybe he's doing that for now, but like, yeah, you know, may, maybe he's not going to really go all in. He just wants the hype that it's going to be. on. Eddie Hall is yeah. going to be all in on this fight. Let me tell you something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's already like thirty-five keys lighter. Exactly, and, and was like a
1: champion swimmer which when is he was insane. younger. So I think kind of like yeah. Big Joe Cap, yeah. swimmer. Yeah, I was turned like, into a strength athlete,
0: aka the Meg. Yeah, I used to
1: swim. used to do a lot of things until I figured out just waste all my time, powerlifting. Yeah, but,
0: I mean, you have to be a little bit suspicious about this whole bad blood thing. I mean, it did seem that the trash talk was getting pretty pretty heated but i mean in comparison eddie seems pissed in about, comparison to the stuff that eddie said in the past maybe it was a little bit yeah tame. eddie seemed
1: pissed about 2017 i i don't know if it's authentic or not i like i i talked about this before robert oberst and like they had some beef before one of the strongman competitions and uh i think robert oberst even though he's american he was doing the log lift championship portion of uh europe's strongest man So Eddie said, after I bend you over the log, I'm going to wipe my dick off with your shitty t-shirts because Robert Oberst is the one who pedals those strong and pretty t-shirts. Yeah. So like, yeah, Robert Oberst sucks. He talks a lot of shit and he's really not that good. But uh, once I found out they were joking around and they're actually buddies, I was kind of depressed because I was like, wow, Eddie's an awesome shit talker. Like, I appreciate that. But it wasn't true. So I think a lot of this stuff is fake. All the strong men are like super cool with each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to figure, how much money does World's Strongest Man make?
2: It's not as much as you think. It's not it's a something lot. something like 50
1: grand 50, or something. Yeah, you know, 100.
2: Well, I, fe- I feel like we were talking about this before when I-, I feel like Metrex is really out of that space, and that was a huge portion yeah, of sponsorship. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> commerce, hotel, something. Oh, yeah. The
0: whole supplement out. industry yeah. has been flipped upside down from social media and everything. I mean, even, like you were saying, like bodybuilding.com is not the same as it was. Like five years ago, if bodybuilding.com was a, publicly traded stock I would have dumped my bank account into it the way that Arnold and everything was going and now it's it's all social media influencers and companies that don't even have major major presence elsewhere yeah
1: so I guess basically the point is these guys are ditching strong really Strongman to prepare for this fight and these guys are crazy I assume they say if they're going to prepare for this fight for the next 18 months all they're going to do is prepare for this fight so sucks for Strongman, but uh you know it, it brought us to the question of you know we debated this while we were working out like who would you rather fight
0: well first let's let's go around and say who do you got on this fight oh uh,
1: yeah that's a good well obviously i have eddie yeah even
0: though thor has a longer reach and is bigger i don't think the size matters that much when it comes to guys being that big i think the the faster guy is gonna win and the tougher crazier mental guy is gonna win so i think Eddie's has definitely got the advantage mentally and you know i think the neighborhood he grew up in probably was a little bit grittier Stoke on and, trent
1: you know a little yeah. bit grittier and grimier. i wouldn't fight a baby from stoke on trent
0: and i mean just looking at thor's performance in the past you know when he fought the viper he kind of got his ass kicked and he won <laughs> like on a technicality he definitely the, got yeah, his ass did. by a
2: guy who was a tenth of his size and what was it in kickboxer
0: yeah kickboxer retaliation this like little guy kicked his ass too. So he looked fat. He looked awful. Yeah. So I mean, based on previous experience, I think I think Eddie's gonna whoop that
2: ass. I think Thor's kind of a pussy. Oh, 100%. percent! Isn't it crazy that you could just be like, you know, Thor just looks like a pussy. Yeah, he yeah looks he's like huge, a but
1: like we were watching him. Four hundred and fifty. We were watching him like do the Conan's <laughs> wheel at the Arnold, and he's wearing like these Nike like like SB Dunk high yeah, tops. Yeah, and I'm like, why wouldn't you wear shoes for performance? Like, do you really care that much about how you look while you're trying to push this fucking wheel around? And then he was super gassed also, and got his ass kicked in that event because it's like sixty seconds of work rather than like one. Yeah, that ass. So like I think in a boxing match He's got a long ways to go To fuck with Eddie I think Eddie's gonna fuck him up And oh, yeah. I mean And just, just us all choosing Eddie to win I think we all have revealed that we, If we had to pick one to fight I'd rather fight Thor
2: 10 out of 10. I mean, 100%. Eddie's just so scrappy, and you know he's never going to give up. You, know? you can't just like hit that guy in the face, and he's just going to be like, all right, I'm, all, I'm done. You know, I feel like Thor, if he took one good enough, would just be like, all right, you know, that's it. Yeah,
0: genetics-wise, he was not the favorite to win 2017 World's Strongest Man, but he set that, that goal in his mind and said, I'm going to die or do yeah. this. And, and like, that's the grit. If
1: one of them got. had to have a glass jaw, it's Ooh. Thor. You know, like Eddie, you can probably punch in the face a hundred times. You're not going to knock him
0: out. Yeah. And I've heard that, you know, the gas or you know, the steroids increase their chin strength. So they might just be slugging it out and it could be kind of an endurance match.
1: Who knows? Iron jaws. just Iron jaws. Clanking up. I think they're going to get so tired. Who's going to land a good shot? It's either going to be a 30 second fight or like just drag on forever. It's yeah.
2: I, I think that's probably Thor's biggest like best way to win basically is just if he could hit Eddie really hard in the first 20 seconds maybe he could knock him out. Yeah. Maybe. I think they're just going
0: to shield up and and take take punches, you know, in their in their shield and then then eventually they're just going to be throwing wildly and they're going to have their hands down and then maybe it'll get stopped in the second round if someone's landing a bunch yeah, but I I also Otherwise they're just going to be hugging each other the whole time. It's I also boring. think
1: the pay-per-view is going to flop. Oh yeah! People wanted to see McGregor versus Mayweather. I mean, those were real fighters, and it was an MMA boxing crossover. Mayweather was undefeated. Like, boxing fans would tune into this. Actual people that normally would bet on boxing or watch boxing won't won't watch this fight. I think you're wrong. Yeah,
0: I think you're wrong. I mean, there was two YouTubers that had a sanctioned boxing match. I forget. I forget the two names. Doesn't matter. See, you forgot them already. Well yeah. something TK something uh I don't I'm not a big into YouTubers, but they're huge YouTubers. They have multi million, you know, number of subscribers and they did a legit boxing match and they did a rematch too. And they made a shitload of money.
1: Really? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, man. Maybe honestly, we the might two be in Vegas. Yeah. We might be in Vegas. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, we should definitely go. We'll just go to Vegas. Maybe we should do live coverage. Yeah. Yeah. ICPL pod. I think it's going to be successful.
0: But I I also think it's it's pretty suspicious and pretty obvious that this is a complete money grab and pre-planned out. They have the event and date announced and, you know, two days after this whole thing goes down.
1: Yeah. So, I guess, you know, who would you rather fight? I think we all would rather fight Thor. I think... um, This leads into a segment we're going to start next week, which is who's pissing hotter or who's on more gas. Who's on more gas. It's a game we play regularly. We don't have time today to do it. We have actually a lot of cool topics today, but um, we'll start playing the who's on more gas. We also tend to play gassed or not, but we've agreed to not do that on the pod. So join in with us next week. If you want to comment and, you know, give us a who's more gassed, Um, for us to debate candidates. Yeah. We take known guy, you know, known users and we just like, who's hotter, you know, who's more insane. Yeah.
0: Who's pumping more diesel. Yeah.
1: Um, it, it proves to be a good time. So leave a comment, um, or shoot us a message and let us know your, who's hotter, who's pissing hotter matchups. Yeah. Well,
0: I think we started a great segment last week with our OG hall of fame. And I think this week we'd like to induct our second OG Hall of Famer. Now, we want to diversify, and we think that this candidate is very very deserving of this title. 100%. She's way out there in terms of personality, one of our, one of our favorites. She's a great friend of ours. She's super outgoing and just wild, and she's one of the greatest female powerlifters of all time, I
2: think. Undebatably, in my opinion. I think
1: definitely one of the greatest. I mean, pure powerlifting-wise, she could be considered the greatest just based on accomplishments, records broken. So, you know, if you can't guess, we're talking about Bonica Brown. Um, And I have some of her stats here just just to read off because I think some of our listeners are equipped lifters or maybe most of them, and then we probably have obviously have some raw lifters. But Bonica's uh, been able to win six straight classic – IPF Worlds, and that's on on the raw side. She's also won five total um, open-equipped Worlds, uh, not straight. There was one year she didn't attend. But um, that's just in itself, 11 World Championships pretty much evenly split. Both ways. Both ways. Um, You don't find that a lot. It's very rare, male or female, to find people that are that successful on both sides. Um, And she's also happened to dominate and win the 2017 world games which is an equipped meet and uh at the time is you know the highest level you can go in internationally recognized powerlifting it's once every four years Uh, you know I lifted in that meet I lifted the same day as Bonica I watched her easily squat like 690 and then pass her third and then still win the the meet on Wilkes points at the time um easily so yeah passing attempts and beating the best powerlifters in the world at the biggest meet ever. Um, so, I mean, obviously she's just an amazing competitor. Her PRs, she's you know a super heavyweight female, squatted in equipment, 716 pounds. She's benched 485 pounds and deadlifted 574, which is uh, at least an American record because there's a chip on there. Um, she was the first woman to walk out and without knee wraps or a suit squat 600 pounds raw so she's done that um her did bench is. you do that <laughs> we'll no we'll way. talk about you guys in comparison to bonica in a second <laughs> she benches in the mid threes raw and uh she's pulled 551 raw and her total is 675 kilos raw just just for you know comparison equipped her total 793 kilos so i was asking alex yeah. before like how close is bonica's total to yours like alex is a pretty big dude he's 105 and he's pretty strong
0: yeah well i did a meet last year that was the last meet that i did raw and let's just say bonica's raw total is higher than that but but <laughs> he's made some gains i've made some gains his meat was canceled in april my meat was canceled i was on track to you know to, to, to maybe beat bonica's raw total i think she's definitely got me on the squat I've I've made some some strides in the bench and and you got her on dead. I think I got her on the dead. she has got you on the squat, yeah.
1: And I think you would have out told her, but you know, it's just we can play these comparisons. But it's pretty amazing that we even I mean have she would to sit my here ass. and debate it. Yeah, you know? yeah. no, I, I was in She'd uh, my house for sure. <laughs> I was in Dubai
0: for uh, for worlds with Joe, and I was training in the warm up room benching like one forty five keys or something, one fifty five keys,
1: struggling for like a few reps and bonica's like oh
0: that's my max I'm Like, oh
1: yeah even like, me training um on site for international meets bonica jumps in and we've trained together and She's the best yeah i remember squatting like four reds one day it was like five weeks out of world i'm mean, f- five days out of world games we were training in the training area and she just strolled up and did the same as me and i was like damn i even feel like a moron at world games when bonica swoops in and just takes over my rack but it was fun she actually taught me how to put on spds that day there you go so peach um you know last week with our og we had a great story and you know we're trying to feature people that we can share you know not only their accomplishments which is public information but maybe a little something you didn't know about them so last week we shared our reverse grip bench story and our vodka and horse sausage um, in Dubai with the Ukrainian team and Alexei Bykov. And Peach has a
2: great story about Bonica. So we're going to let him take it away. So th- this happened uh, at Bench Nationals in Scranton about two years ago. And me and my fiancé, Cassie, are lifting in the meet. And Bonica is in the same flight as Cassie. Cassie was competing in the 84 class, I believe. And Bonica was 84 plus. So we're in the warm-up room. And for those of you guys who don't know, I take my tits way out of the shirt when I go to, put, when I go to bench, and Cassie does the same thing.
1: Yeah, they, they, they're a couple, obviously, Peach and Cassie, and uh, they will each stand behind each other either on a chair or on the bench, reach down and grab your nipple and pull it up out of the collar, <laughs> and the your tits, <laughs> the male or female, they sit there like a big giant shelf. In the shirt
0: does collar. not come out.
1: I've exactly. seen the nipple come out. It comes out periodically. And recently, yeah. they even do it for me. You know, sometimes you we got to get his bench better. somehow. yeah, a glimpse of some dark meat. So just so you can imagine, it's like a big, it's like a
2: big production <laughs> and process to get your tits jacked out of a shirt
1: by Cassie or peach. Yep.
2: So Bonica. Now I know Bonica a little bit at this point. I've met her at a few national meets, whatever, but Cassie never, have never met Bonica before. And Bonica just comes out of nowhere and she's like, Oh my God, your boobs are huge. And she starts drumming on Cassie's boobs. Like, they're bongo drums, <laughs> just, <laughs> just drumming on them. And and Cassie's looking at me like, who is this person? I'm like, it's Bonica.
1: Yeah, she's going to grab your tits. If you have big tits, you know, I think Bonica has big breasts, and so does Cassie. And, you know, we're we're not trying to draw attention there. It's just fact, you know. Yeah, if you and, go uh, on Bonica's Instagram. You could see you know, him she's, for not yourself.
0: Shy, she's not shy about it. She's, you know, got a personality as as big or even she's bigger. single
1: for all you guys out there
0: yeah and she does love pokemon go as well
1: that's a bonus she also we share a love of um freshwater aquariums so we talk pretty often about that
0: and cats she's definitely a cat person and you're yeah you if and you, her with the cats oh yeah if, if you post a picture of a cat she's gonna spam you with
1: yeah i mean she's also she like there's it. so many stories that you know if, if you room with her, she'll keep you up all night and order Chinese food or something. That or sounds like a great time. In Dubai, no, like, you know, you guys. I didn't get in this cab, but you guys were all packed in an Uber. And, you know, the, the the Ubers in Dubai are all, like, Teslas, right? So, it's, like, this super nice car. And Bonica, like, dove in the back over, like, you and Becky Holcomb. And there's, like, six of you yeah, in a like, Tesla. It was, like, Rick. and Yeah, it was pretty wild. Like, sh- she's always down to party at the banquets, too, obviously. All the banquets I've been to for Quip Worlds, uh, Bonique has been there, and we're always like causing havoc. So She's the life of the party, yeah, for sure. So Bo, welcome to the OG Hall of Fame. Your second induction, which is pretty good. You know, we we could have inducted you first, but you know, it's it's it was a coin flip. So we love you. Um, I know you're going to listen to this. So well,
0: also to go with um, with our first OG, Koff, um You know, there was a bit of training advice that. You got from bonica oh, that's right and so
1: yeah i totally forgot this is about a great that. story by the way yeah so like at 2018 worlds bonica like fucking dominated and won and i lifted like absolute shit and i missed my second and third deadlift attempt of 755 which is typically like around my opener you know i pulled over eight and um i was just having a down training cycle on the deadlift and bonica was like joe you know, not not at the meet, we just got really drunk right after, but like when we got back, we were like talking on the phone and she was like, you know how the strong men, like they stand wide and they grip the bar really wide. I was like, yeah, it's fucking dumb. Like such a long rom. She was like, no, you gotta try it. Like you have a super strong upper back and like it activates your lats when you take this wider grip. And so like her theory is that that's why all these strong men do it. Cause they have huge fucking lats and backs from all the stuff they do. And Bonica has a super strong back so she told me she started pulling in the high fives once she widened her grip out, literally widening her hands wider than, you know, straight up and down. So you do maybe increase your ROM a little bit, but she said the power off the floor is, you know, it's just improvement and it leaves you room to bring your shoulders through and forward and lock out. So I tried it. And four months later at the Arnold, I pulled 804 easily and I've been pulling, you know, in the low eights since then. So, uh, Thanks for that training tip, Bonica. So like, not only is she super talented at powerlifting herself, she's down to help you out. Um, if you're in need. Um, so that was a great tip. So yeah, I guess we got to include a train. Now it's too much pressure on our OGs. We got to include a good story and a training tip. We're careful with our selection, you know, we're careful with our selection. Yeah. You got to do a lot to get in here. You can't just be like a good lifter. And like, try to get up in this Hall of Fame.
2: You yeah, know? That, that doesn't make you an OG. Like winning a world's so like everybody's winning medal,
1: gold medals out there anyway. You you, you got to go above and beyond. So yeah. that's that's you, Bonica. You gotta
0: be. You gotta have been in the game for a while and have multiple accolades to your name. Yeah.
1: And be a crazy motherfucker. Yeah, yeah it's it's both. It's it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so welcome, Bo. Last week we left off our podcast with a little bit of a cliffhanger. We wanted to do some training talk. We want to talk shop. Now Joe has equipped excellence. He's a he's been coaching powerlifting for quite some time. Um, Peachy's been in the game for a long time. I myself have been in the game a little a little bit. I mean, I, I've been powerlifting. had a bodybuilding stint. Yeah, I had a bodybuilding of an stint in the middle, but yeah. I've been powerlifting since 2011. Yeah,
1: raw and equipped. Raw and equipped. You know, Peach is, Peach is uh a, been to a. Open, open bench worlds. Well, as a junior
2: junior, and uh, I get invited to open, but I couldn't go that year.
1: Yeah. So peach is known on the bench circuit equipped and he's also the best full meat handler in the world. Um, he traveled with me domestically. If I can get him to travel internationally with me, I would, and Mm -hmm. that's coming soon, but, uh, he's the best. So he knows what he's doing. He's been to a lot of big meets with me and himself. So,
0: yeah. So what we wanted to talk about was RPE training and what our opinion on RPE is. So RPE, I'm sure if you've listened to this podcast this far, or you even have found this podcast, you know what RPE is.
1: Rating perceived exertion. Rating of perceived exertion. And, you know, it's uh, really popular. Um, every Instagram post you see now is like, hey, I did this at RPE, whatever. So, you know, you have to know what it is by now. At but, Bay uh,
2: State, we love to troll it a little bit. We go with ORE, observed rate of exertion.
1: Because we don't trust ourselves. You can no. only trust your training partners to give you the true shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So I'll start off and say that, you know, I think it definitely can be a very good tool that can, it can be used to not really, I, 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 your load. <laughs> I'd say it really depends on the athlete Um, and and the coach needs to make a a very wise decision on who they allow to use RP and how much freedom they give with it because a lot of times you can set someone loose and if you're not, if you don't have enough supervision, it can be abused.
2: Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, my thing with RP is that it's so hard to, you know, realistically grade yourself on how the lift went, uh, especially during the lift um so you know if you have training partners who can give you some feedback on the on on the rp that you should assign to a certain lift maybe it could be effective um or if you have video but video can be misleading too yeah I've, I've
1: you know so many times
2: you. stuff has felt hard
1: and then the video looks better uh, but that's you know your exertion is still the same right um just because something looks better in bar speed on video doesn't mean it should be a lower rpe I think that's a big problem because everybody is everybody's is obsessed with video i mean even me i used to hate videoing anything and now i video like every a, a lot of sets for my coach at least mm-hmm. so yeah i think video definitely muddies the waters a little bit when trying to assess your own rpe and you know how to progress
0: yeah it also depends on you know at what point during your training the lifts are even occurring for you to make an accurate comparison to oh i did this weight for this many at RPE eight, uh, you know, two weeks ago, but now it's a nine, you know, do I need to change something? I, I think, you know, the programming needs to be you know, logically ordered. And a lot of times adding some sort of percentage based suggestions and then RPE or vice versa adding, yeah you know, RPE as kind of a sanity check is, is probably a more wise I, decision I think- so that the coach, you know, knows that, what they've planned is, is what's yeah, going down. Yeah, I think
1: percentage-based or RPE training. Like, if you have a little bit of the other to support it, it could be really successful. Mm-hmm. So I think RPE with, like, percentage-based caps. Um, like, I would consider training that style. I just haven't. And I would consider maybe coaching that style in the future. But I, I coach percentage-based. That being said, you know, if I'm talking with the lifter and something needs to be adjusted, we can adjust by an a increment of a percent point or we can just adjust by weight increments, say, you know, take this stuff down 10, 20 pounds. Or, um, you know, I I prefer percentage-based training because I like to control the loads, you know, day to day, week to week um, that the lifter is doing. Um, With RPE, it it enables people, when you're feeling good, you could go hit a huge PR in the gym. Right. And, um, you know, I think that's great. And people will be like, Oh, I felt great. Bar speed wide. Like it's not gonna, wow, Alex, you're really, we shouldn't drink as much during this thing.
2: <laughs> Alex gotta go take a, maybe a smoke break. Yeah, I think so. He's, he's, he's coughing up a lung. Maybe he needs a, two cigarettes now.
1: Yeah. Either way. Um, what I was saying is I think even a huge PR lift done it at what's called an rpe8 or something in the middle of a training block it's not advisable to me because i think it has a, a long-term effect on the rest of the training block that people don't account for so i'd rather control that with percentage-based training and well, i want my athletes to know the numbers they're going to do that day think about it whether it's before or after work or whatever or on a weekend you're going to the gym you have an objective you're focused on it there's no guessing games right, right. you're going to execute the lift and then You know, there are days where we're going to go heavy. We're going to hit heavy doubles and singles later in the cycle, and you're going to have to execute those whether you feel shitty or whether you feel good, right? So there's no auto-regulation. Fuck auto-regulation, right? Because what are you going to auto-regulate the day of the meet, right? You don't want to have to auto-regulate. You want to be trained to hit the numbers that are loaded on the bar. That's what percentage-based training does over a long period of time. I've walked in a a lot of workouts scared out of my fucking mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to squat. Yep. 950 today. I don't feel it, you right. know. Um, but you fucking do it. And so there were days where uh, meets that I've done where I flew in the day of the meet, stupid shit like that. Guess what? I hit the numbers. You did hit the numbers then. Because I not was There was no auto regulation, right? And that that I like to train everybody long term um, in that style. Yeah. And you know, I don't try to hold people back. You know, RPE lets people go crazy, right? And one thing I want to talk about is. I observed a well-known coach, buddy of mine, so I don't think he'll mind bringing this up, but I I really was into Garrett Fears' training for a meet last year, and uh, he's coached by Sean Noriega, and I saw on, like, Monday before the meet, he had hit his last deadlift single. It was supposed to be, like, at eight. So what, that's an opener? But it was also an all-time PR, what he ended up hitting, because they're going off bar speed. Right. Well, guess what? Six days later... He didn't pull over eight he you know he missed something under eight he didn't feel great i watched the videos he didn't look as crispy he did in training he looked great all training um i think the RPE style has allowed people to train heavier closer to meets and you know raw nats week we're all on instagram um we see a lot of lifters who aren't even that good but it's they're going, going fucking heavy like yep. five days out And they're like, well, the bar speed's good. Well, maybe the fucking squat was high. And you still had that super huge load on your back. And now you can't execute that to depth. Like, there's so many things that should be taken into account, I think.
2: Maybe you took 25 minutes in between sets instead
1: of 10. I think younger lifters should consider training percentage-based. But, like, have a coach that's going to let you progress.
0: It's also the system, right? So whoever's coaching them is telling them to do heavy singles or – Maybe maybe not heavy singles. Maybe they're saying RPE seven or eight or it's, no. It's no a, one
1: knows. Th- it's a lot of young people with raging hormones in the sport. You can't. You have to have a really seasoned and experienced lifter to hold themselves back. Yeah. Um, you know, for the benefit of the next day, right? Yeah. And uh, it just you don't see it, and you know a lot of people get a lot of gratification out of posting. You know, a huge deadlift five days out of meat. Mm-hmm. You know. They want both. It's not to say they care about training more. Everybody cares about the meat more, but they want both. But you can't have both.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I I just say that as a caveat, RPE can be used. Oh, it depends 100%. On, it depends on the coaching yeah. and the programming. I mean, how would you see people hitting heavy singles? How would you recommend someone peak? I, a I
1: think it's a. Oh, how I'd recommend. <clears throat> well, I just want to say I think RPE is a good a tool that's popular right now because you don't have to know anything about the lifter. And there's so many good, there's so many new lifters coming to sport that a lot of these coaches can grab up these new lifters and have them train RPE style. And you know, they're getting beginner gains, but it at RPE, whatever, but it seems like, wow, this coach is a genius. And they don't really even know what the lifter is capable of and there's no controls. And that might work good for six months. But then once a lifter has any amount of experience, you should change their style. As for me, you know, if I'm training someone for a raw meat, which I do a lot, even though my coaching service is called Equipped Excellence, um, you know, I have squat and deadlift are those singles are in separate weeks. The heaviest part of the training, we'll just skip to that. We're linear, linearly progressing up to heavy singles um, throughout, like maybe say 12 or 16 weeks. But say in the three weeks out of the meet, we're hitting our heaviest deadlift singles. Never 100%, maybe up to 98% of what I think the goal of the meet day would be. Um, Multiple singles to be prepared for the platform, not just one, right? Because you have to be able to take one after another. Um, The squat would be at two weeks out. Same deal. The bench, you know, you could bench pretty heavy up until 7 to 10 days out of the meet. I think the upper body always recovers better than the lower body. In the lower body, you're managing two lifts, so you're managing more stress and fatigue right so that's typically the way i do it and then the week out we're still lifting heavy but we're not lifting singles we're not lifting above 90% we're in between 85 and 90% i like to i like to utilize doubles a lot especially <clears throat> at those weights close to the meat you might be able to do that 85% for 5 but um we do it for doubles keep 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 the loads higher keep the execution up keep people doing the lifts um, that's to within seven days out. And then the week of the meet, you know, I've always had, you know, Alex, I've coached you for a few meets now, and we've we've peaked pretty hard. We've seen some crazy performances um, between training and competition, but we'll lift maybe Monday 70%, but by Friday we're lifting at 50% or less.
0: Yeah, just you know? thinking about that and remembering back on my last meet prep, right? maybe even this most recent one when I was supposed to do this meet, you start feeling crazy that week of, and I think that might be something that plays into the factor of these RPE, RPE singles being so heavy and and overstressing the lifter, the week prior to the meet or ten days out from the meet, because they're already starting to peak.
1: Yeah, one guy I coach is the you know had one M one nationals and USPA uh, at two twenty, and he you know he tells me and I've coached him for four or five meets now you know over the course of the last eighteen months. He never feels good until the last week. And he always texts me how worried he is, he is. And it's like eight days out, seven days out. I feel like shit, man. I feel like shit, man. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm going to fucking crush this. And I, we've killed it. And the reason I've coached him for so long is he pretty much goes nine for nine every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just a freak on the platform. It's nothing to do with me, but it's decent training. Yeah. Um, and, he, and we peak him well. My lifters never feel fresh for a training. So I never mini peak somebody's, let's see what you can hit in the gym. I don't give a fuck. Right, because I'm all about the long term. Right, um, and you know, for for classic training raw, it's easier. You could go, you could hit pretty high percentages or intensities every week, and progress linearly for a longer period of time and recover. So it's a lot more simple to me. Um, when people try to use RPE for equip training, I think that's where it gets fuckety. Oh yeah,
0: that, yeah that's, that's where shit goes off cool. the. Rest. So when
1: I train equipped lifters, unless it's a lightweight female. You know, you do have to take into account gender, weight class for certain things you're doing. Um, I don't generally have a bigger guy. Let's just assume I'm coaching someone who's like me or like Alex, or even like Peach. These guys are 105. I'm never gonna have you squat over 90% of your Equip Max two weeks in a row. Never. It doesn't matter if you're doing it RPE seven for a single, and then you're doing it RPE eight, you know, the next week. I don't even care about the RPEs. So typically, it's like not daily undulating; it's really weekly because I'll play off the squat and deadlift training. So the the deadlift will be heavier one week, and you'll still squat in equipment, but maybe at 85 to 87.5% for doubles. And then the next week, it will flip where your deadlift's a little lower. Maybe you're doing some singles, but even below your opener or something that's opener-ish for you, but you're squatting heavier, whether it's I love heavy doubles in gear, um, but maybe, you know, close to me, it's a single. So that's one thing I think with RPE training, people are doing a lot of singles, not only doing singles in every lift weekly, sometimes they're doing them daily. Um, You can recover from that in raw, and that's kind of the trend right now. It's going the way of Olympic weightlifting where you're hitting high intensity singles all the time. I don't have experience with doing that personally, but I can imagine long-term, it's not great for powerlifting um, just because of the loads.
2: Um, But with equip lifting, I think that's just out of the question. You just get wrecked. It'll wreck your body. I mean, I just just did a shirted bench, you know, yesterday, and I did approximately, you know, around 90% of my max. And I feel like I got hit by a fucking truck. I mean, there's no way that I could do anything. Yeah, max next, week, next week, even
1: next week, you would bench like shit. Oh, of course. So when I was younger, I used to try to do like, oh, I'm going to fucking two board 800 pounds. And then the next week, I'm going to one board 750. Guess what? My forums feel like they're going to fucking break the next week. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I've learned over years and years of coaching myself how to coach an equip lifter to success. That's really what I've specialized in. But I started coaching classic lifters because number one, they're asking me to. And number two, you know, that's just, majority of powerlifters right now so I've learned how to train people both ways there's no one system but I think the RPE system could work for raw I don't utilize it it definitely I would not use it for um, equip training
0: just too many variables there's too much technique and and variables in the equipment that can really
2: affect how a lift feels or how it moves yeah just like how your suit fits you that day like we do
1: we do training in loose gear you know we do training you know, knee wraps only, loose squat suit, straps down deadlift. There's things, you know, we, we have a ton of different bench shirts. You, you can't keep, be keeping track of your RPE and different pieces of equipment. And also a lot of great equipped lifters, whether you look at like a guy like my favorite lifter of all time, Brian Siders, or like the current badasses like the Ukrainian team right now. Every lift they make is super explosive. Mm-hmm. Bar speed, you can't look at bar speed because bar speed is going to be 10 out of 10, super fast. And then, you know, you add a few more kilos and they miss. People used to ask Brian Siders, like, hey, you benched 793 today, it looked fucking incredible. When are you gonna break 800? Why didn't you, you know, basically why'd you cuck yourself? Like, go for eight. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you don't understand. If I add those five kilos, I'll miss it. I either smoke it or I don't make it at all. And I think in equipment, that's the case with a lot of great equip lifters. Um, You know, it just sneaks up on you, so you can't assign RPE based on bar speed because the bar speed is the same until it just until it not completed. Yep, Yep. until it ain't.
0: I think you need video, and you need to have if you're coaching an equipped lifter, you need to have conversation because I think RPE is basically the the double check for the coach to make sure that the lifter is kind of doing in general what he or she intended the program to do and it's a little bit extra information for the lifter to use to make sure about that if the lifter is intelligent and enough and experienced enough to do that but basically it's taking the place of a conversation with the coach so that the coach can know everything's going yeah. as planned so i think with equipped there's just so much more information that the coach needs and you know
2: a number is not going to be enough i think the biggest problem with having rp with equipped training is that you could be working up, working up, and you just absolutely obliterate a weight, and you're like, that was at RP7, no problem. And then yeah. you go up, like, 20 keys, and you just get smushed. And know what's going to happen? Is that's going to ruin your training cycle now because you were trying to go for at 8, you're getting cocky, you're like, oh, I smoked this, you went up too heavy, and you got crushed. So guess what? Now you're at RP11. Uh, the ripple
1: effect of a bad training right. session
2: in equipment is, like, it could ruin your month. It could because then you're, you're, your body just doesn't recover from it.
1: Yeah, and, like, you know, I'll shit on Sean a little bit more because, like, I just pay attention to what he does because he's a friend of mine and he's super popular right now, makes great content, and it, for all for all I know, is a great coach. But he uh, tried his hand at coaching some equipped lifters last year, and uh, I didn't see good results. I mean, Corey Jordan was one of them, and Peach, you've competed uh, in – at collegiates against this kid. He won four collegiate nationals, I believe. I believe he did. And then yeah. he went to a junior worlds and, uh, just didn't look crisp after, you know, the repetitive singles, singles, singles. Um, and also some other people that, you know, um, yeah. he coached, I, that he day, coached right. at collegiates and just didn't go well. And, you know, it, it's good for him to try it, but, you know, you could leave it to the experts, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And then, and then just, just, Building off that, I you know, we have to talk about Mike share a little bit. When we talk about RPE, you know, he's the first person <clears throat> to steal the term from the book and actually start selling it. So, um, you
2: we'll know. We'll give him a little credit. He adapted it for powerlifting. He adapted
1: it to powerlifting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've seen him ruin more good athletes publicly than not. So, like, totals going down, like, Brett Gibbs or Kelly Brenton. Rest in peace, Kelly Brenton on the juice bench. But, um, you know, I, I, two things come to, two guys come to mind when I paid attention to because I competed directly against these guys is Nick Waite, a great raw and equipped lifter, did World Games in 2013. Uh, he's a cop in St. Louis, so hopefully he's doing well right now. And um, Blaine Sumner, which obviously, you know, I tend to talk about every week because I've been directly competing against, again, my ass whooped by Blaine for 12 years, and he's an amazing dude. But, um, they both went with, uh, Mike T coaching for a meet cycle, which by the nature of what they do were high profile meets and they were posting their training and he had them doing pretty much mock meets five days out. You're, you're doing your opener or you're, you're finding your opener, whatever terms they used five years ago. What the hell are you finding? You know, I know my opener's like two months out. Um, you know, let's just say those meets didn't go well and they didn't stay on with Mike for multiple cycles, right? So that was, you know, Mike trying to adapt the RTS training, which we've seen, you know, younger lifters, raw lifters get some success out of. I've seen a lot of experienced lifters raw and equipped not really get that much out of it. I think once you're so experienced and you're not looking for 100 keys a year in your total, you're looking for
2: 10 percentage-based training is the way to go. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the other thing is too is like, on on that like last week of the meet, you could really. I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but you could really, you know, go a little too hard. Yeah, you know, I I actually fell victim to this to the point where now I don't even do barbell lifts the week of the meet because I'll go too hard I just do assistance movements the week of the meet keep it keep the blood flowing
1: each is back on the west side style peaking
2: well I gotta be honest with you, you I also really, train like twice a week that's so. true so like I, I'll, I'll feel more. good I'll feel good week of the meet and I'll just be like you know what I'm gonna do 75 for triples and then I'll just be like oh damn that was too much because I usually train once a month <laughs> <laughs> yeah peaches has been experimenting with the less is more which is maybe another
1: training topic because we were talking about this the other day how certain people were pushing you know train to failure twice a week whatever maybe we'll talk about that another time but i don't know you guys have any thoughts to wrap up this conversation because i've i've definitely said a lot so it's out there I think if anybody wants to debate me or leave a comment that'd be that'd be fun
2: i think my biggest problem with RP training in general is that right now it's really popular and a lot of kids who are just starting getting into powerlifting, you know, they might be in the gym and percentage based training is very, you know, not so sexy. So they can get a percentage based training program on bodybuilding.com or T nation or whatever. And then they do that for a little bit and they get bored. So then they see these guys on Instagram and they're like, Oh, this guy does RP training. I'm going to sign up for his $200 a month programming. And, uh, you know, it just seems like a little too much of a money grab for me.
1: Yeah. It it allows for a
2: lot of cookie cutter uh,
1: programming and coaching. And you know, I've come in situations where I've seen lifters say, Oh my God, you tell me like, you give me guidance on assistance work or you do all this, or you ask me what equipment I have available. Like, yeah, I'm making custom programs for you guys. Um, and I think a lot of programming has been so boiled down. It's like you're going to squat three by three at RPE nine today. And that's all you get. And you can do, you know, maybe do some hamstring curls after I don't Mm -hmm. know, like, there, there's not a lot of guidance being given, um, so I think it allows for a lot of, you know, y- you need to do a high volume of athletes to make money coaching. It's just the, that's just the atmosphere right now, and th- that's what this style of training has allowed because it's less attention to detail. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it's allowed for that, but I don't think all of it is necessarily that there are some very good and responsible coaches that hundred percent y- utilize RP as a tool to like supplement the percentage based guidance. And um, you know, if you find the coach or a program that's like that, that it may not be bad, it m- might be good, but you know, RP can definitely be abused or used to uh, ill benefit if, if you're not in the right hands.
2: Yeah. Maybe I'll just clarify a little bit. Um, I think that a lot of the people who are newer coaches you know oh they're like twenty years old and yeah, coaching. It's exactly. a lot easier. twenty years old and co- they're doing the RP deal. I'm there is definitely coaches out there who incorporate RP who are, you know, yeah, I think deserving of charging money for their no programs. No matter if
1: you're even fifteen years old, don't hire a coach that's 18, 19, 20. I don't care if that coach was a good lifter. That's not a requirement, but I think someone should have five to ten years experience either training, coaching, um, refereeing, you know, or lifting in this sport to be able to advise someone on training training someone's body is it's a very serious thing you can injure somebody um, you could stun someone's progress and everybody has one life and one training lifetime to get their progress in and and get their best results so it's a very serious thing and people don't take that seriously and you see guys that have won like a you know a collegiate nationals raw their freshman year and now they're coaching 20 guys and it to me it's just it it there's so many ways to skin a cat. Most of the time, it's going to work out for them. And they'll get lucky and people will get stronger because you're lifting a fucking barbell. But I think long-term, it's not a great plan to be hiring inexperienced people. 100% agree. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to wrap that up. If you want coaching recommendations from us, hit us up. Um, we don't just straight-up recommend ourselves, so we'll give you a good recommendation if you need it for a specific situation. Um, do we want to talk about raw worlds at all or the open yeah. nationals
0: yeah so i guess we're getting close to winding this thing up but there's been some announcements current events so that we just um want to clarify that and announce that here um we noticed that there was some posts about qualifying for 2021 uh worlds team in the u.s and that basically since the uh the, the national meet this year is so close to the world meet that um you don't need to worry about qualifying for next year's Worlds via Nationals. Yeah, I
1: think we talked about this episode one, and we were kind of like, well, that kind of sucks. you got to compete twice in two weeks. Yeah. Um, but basically what they've done is, and I've never seen this before, and that's why we're going to talk about that. this because um, I think it's unprecedented, is that um, basically whoever has the highest total out of the weight classes, whether you competed at Raw Worlds and you're a current World Team member or you compete at Raw Nats, two weeks later, you'll get the offer to be the representative for that weight class in 2021. Uh, differs a little bit from similar situations. The only thing I can think of that's similar to this is when, you know, a World Games team, typically World Games is in July and Open Nationals is in, you know, what used to be in June or is now in May. So a lot of us equipped lifters would skip that. You know, by USAPL rules, Nationals is the only way to qualify for worlds which for equipped is in November So typically you're competing in May and November it's split up nicely in the same calendar year six months apart it differs from raw because you're split up maybe six months, but you're uh, You're in different calendar years. So it's 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 a little it's a little funkier Um, But anyway the year I competed at world games we skipped nationals, but we were offered You know basically first alternate spots if we had good totals from world games so you know, I basically said, I'm going to go all in on this meet. I I do want to do both meets, but I focus on the one I placed well there. I had a good, um, total. So I was the first alternate. And as soon as somebody from nationals, well, I think somebody failed a drug test, but anyway, I ended up getting on the team in 2017 to do both meets. So it's similar. Like you're trying to help an athlete out who's high level and has to compete at multiple meets and you want to keep them as your world team member give them a shot, right, without doing nationals. But this one is just straight up on total. So it, it's, it sucks because, you know, someone who's trying to win worlds and their total might be lower, they're getting in a little battle, right? They want to make sure they get they the medal
2: placing, right? They
1: win, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody around nationals two weeks later um, knows what that total is and can just two and a half key that. You know, and I think there's real situations that might happen, like our buddy Bryce Lewis might be in a real battle in the 105s. Um, we're hoping he pulls out the win, but then there's amazing lifters like Ashton Rushka in the 105, mm-hmm. you know, who will compete at nationals two weeks after and is well-equipped to just do whatever total he needs to do. Yeah, just to, do a full to,
0: send when Bryce is a very, a very methodical and, and has a great game plan when he lifts, and so he's gonna do what he needs to do to secure the win at world so he's got to have that in the back of his mind now
1: yeah exactly so it's a weird situation like we won't know if it works out until we see how it pans out but I think um I'm not going to sit here and shit on the USIPL for doing it because everybody's been dealt a shit hand over this like COVID-19 situation I think they're doing the best they can you know hopefully it works out as for me right now like the equip lifters we've been afforded somewhat of a normal schedule that if we can compete, um, at the revised date for open nationals in August, then, you know, we'd have a quick turnaround, especially for equip lifting to worlds in November instead of Um, but like I'm willing to do that still. And I think everybody else is. So hopefully that works out. But the, the timing of the classic meets has been really screwed up. So I think they're doing the best they can. So I know we'll see some outrage, and people talking shit, but how else would you like it to be done, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, if 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 the the lifters at Worlds are really that concerned about it, I guess the USAPL's argument would be that they could sign up for Nationals and do it after Worlds. Sure. I mean, are they going to be as fresh? No, but at least they have the opportunity to, to get the spot.
1: Limp in for the title defense.
0: <laughs> well, I think we've talked long enough. Um, this was probably our longest podcast to date. But, um, we think we needed to do it. We had some some lengthy topics to discuss. Definitely let us know if you think you know would you like to see shorter or longer? Um, we'd like to hear you know what the audience has to say about that. but just as as a recap, you can now find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to podcasts as well as YouTube and that does it for me. This is. Again, Alex Bavel at Alec, uh, at Big Bavel one hundred five. I changed my handle, so I forgot it already. But I want to be a big boy. I want it to be a big one.
2: I'm Joe Capolino at Big Joe Cap, and Jim Peachy Marcotte at J L Marcotte underscore.
0: You got to change that to Big Peachy.
1: Yeah, yeah, everybody needs to be big something.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe I'll change it to Big Peachy as long as it's not taken by some girl with a huge ass. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. going to run into some trouble, but we we'll get you one. a, we'll
1: get you a stiffer drink next week and then we'll change your Insta handle on you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. That does it for us. Thanks for joining us. Signing out.
1: See ya. See you next week. Yeah. I think that went smoother. A
2: little, a little less crazy. Yeah. That was good.
1: But a little, sp- I, I, I talked up the shit talking a little bit. Yeah. Shit on my T.